0: Welcome to the School of Wellbeing podcast. I am your host, Meg Durham, Wellbeing speaker, educator, and coach. I have taught and worked in schools across metropolitan and regional Australia, and I am dedicated to supporting big-hearted educators to prioritize their well-being and take courageous action despite the everyday pressures of school life. Because I want educators to know you don't have to sacrifice your health, relationships and happiness to be a great teacher. Together, we are going to learn the lessons to help us teach well and be well. Let the learning begin. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Meg Durham, and I'm so pleased that you're here today for this conversation. Are the stories you are telling yourself helping or holding you back? As big-hearted educators and school leaders, who we are and the stories we tell about ourselves really matter. In this thought-provoking conversation, I chat with international leader in the field of teaching and learning, Dr. William Dijon. Over the past 25 years, William has helped thousands of educators learn how to make learning stick for everyone, no matter what. William started out as a high school teacher in San Diego, where he was named Teacher of the Year. He has taught at universities in the US and Australia, and is a sought-after keynote speaker that has presented at TEDx Canberra. Young Minds and Happiness and Its Causes. William founded Unleash Learning to embed a transformational teaching and learning system into organisations so they can expand their meaningful impact, make learning stick for everyone, no matter what is taking place. In this conversation we discuss, why the stories we tell ourselves matter, patterns of thinking and behaving that can unlock our potential the difference between a wounded healer and a healed warrior, and so much more. I hope you'll enjoy my conversation with Dr. William Dijon. William, welcome to the School of Wellbeing podcast. I'm
1: super excited to be here, Meg.
0: I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I think we're going to go down all these different rabbit holes, and what we're going to be exploring is the patterns of thinking and behaving that can help us unlock our potential as educators and humans? Why do you think this is an important topic to ponder?
1: I hope I don't scare people off when I say what I'm about to say. I think it's actually a pedagogical question first. And the reason it's a pedagogical question first is so we are in a teaching and learning organization. I don't want to be controversial, but I'm going to say we're not a well being organization, but just hang on for a second. And so often when people think like it's just about maths or it's not about me or what it's actually a pedagogical question and a pedagogical understanding so what i mean by it is this so paula Freire talks about i'm gonna go theory for a second to go to the deep dive okay but paula Freire will talk about a banking model of education and a banking model of education is this idea that all our job is to deliver information and in a banking model who the educators are the leaders are even the students are does not matter the identities the background the well-being doesn't matter because if you think of a bank you're just putting you're depositing money and many people tell me that's what school is like for them if you want to make learning stick for everyone the science is very different who the students are matters and who the educator is matters so let me give you one more example there's this theory called the reader response theory and what the reader response theory talks about is this idea that Cognition, reading cognition or comprehension happens between the identity of the reader and the text. It's not that you read the sky is blue and you're saying, oh, it's saying it's pink. It's not that. But it is saying as you read something, who you are impacts how you're actually comprehending. That's schema theory, in fact. Was it Paulophorus of this? We read the world before we read the word. What does that mean? Who we are impacts how we actually see what's going on. So if we want to make learning stick for everyone, who we are as educators matters. And the second part of that is I have literally interviewed thousands of educators. I ask people about their favorite teacher. Nine times out of 10, they do not tell me about the subject area. They will remember who the teacher was. So from a pedagogical standpoint, I think where this conversation fits, it's actually a teaching and learning conversation, as well as a who you are matters conversation.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting understanding it from that context. And thinking about who we are as educators matter and who our students are matters, because what we're really talking about is context. Context really matters and it helps us to make learning stick. So when it comes to education and you've worked with educators all across the globe, what type of person is drawn to work in education?
1: So I'm going to explain the three types. Number one, they love content. I love mathematics. Those folks are typically high school folks, maybe upper middle years. Then there's the, I love kids. And they're the primary school teachers. I had a professor say to us, the I love kids folks to love the content as much as they love the kids. And we know the content people love the kids as much, right? Now, let me say about the two kinds, okay? Please, I'm not saying you didn't have a hard journey in some place. So I hope they hear it from the spirit. When they do the history work we do with them, They often can't find time school didn't work for them. The third kind is the person where school did not work for them. I'm talking about, I could tell you stories where where one of the teachers said to us, I went to school is the most shaming experience because how they showed family was not my family. And I thought something was wrong with me for years and years and years. I have someone who told me school made me feel poor. And those folks, if they choose to enter the profession, are there to say, I'm going to change something. This is not going to happen to what happened to me. It's really important because the people were folks were schooled, that it worked for them. When we're talking about making learning stick for everyone or some of these questions, it's hard to sometimes understand why we're asking them because school worked. It looked like them. The content looked like them. Families helped or whatever it was. But if it didn't work for you, you either don't become a teacher or you leave. You go, I'm not going either. Or you go, I'm going to do it differently.
0: Gosh, as you say that, I can think of all the different educators that I've worked with and potentially their pathway in. And yes, there's some teachers that really identify as the subject area first. And it's true in secondary schools. I am a PE science teacher or I am Japanese. And then in primary school, we can also associate with the year level. Like I love preppies. Preppies are my thing. Those older kids, that's a little bit too much or... And senior content teachers, they look at younger, year sevens and eights, think, do not get me anywhere near those junior kids. I want to be in the depths, the detail of year 11 and 12. And then also interesting to note, for some educators, they're going into education despite their experience to mix things up, to give students an opportunity that they didn't have, to really be that change agent that they wish they had
1: It might be because of the experience, I think. It literally informs their pedagogical stance.
0: And it makes so much sense to really think about what is our origin story as an educator and how is our origin story informing our practice?
1: That's what we do at Unleashed Learning. We talk about teaching from the inside out or leading from the inside out. So we work with all the leaders of the school. Then we work with the new teachers and current teachers but they do the teaching from the inside out. And it really can be confronting. We, I get a lot of pushback about that in the initial part of that process. Why are you asking that? It's none of your business. This doesn't matter. And then there's others that go, oh yeah, it matters. They don't want to reveal it, right? They want to reveal what that was like for them. Your identity connects to your pedagogical approach.
0: And so who we are matters. Our origin story matters. How does that then manifest in the way that we teach? I'll
1: give you one perfect example. There was a teacher. She did, I'm going to call it an origin story. I never thought of it that way, but that's a great way. And she really understood how excluded from school she was to the point of it was shaming. If you ask her about what she's doing, her pedagogical approach, she will tell you it's about inclusion in her room for everyone. So she had a lens that informs. so the standard might say 2.7, 0.9, 0.8, or that changes every week, or here's the top strategies to remember, okay, that's great. But she, for her room, everyone played. In the other teacher's room, everyone belonged. There was a teacher that we worked with at Unleashed Learning. She's a math teacher. And if you walked in and saw what's on the walls, it connects to her knowing of being invisible in school so she wants to make sure no one's vis- invisible so everyone does mathematics without her saying a word you walk and you know that that's an example of that now what that means then we say make learning stick for everyone everyone's the equity piece the diversity piece the identity piece it means that if i'm not thinking that and i want to make learning stick for everyone i have to put lenses consistently on my face because i wear glasses to keep looking because it's not my default position if that's where I'm coming from. So it really is informing what I'm seeing, what materials I'm choosing, who I'm calling on. Not that I'm bad or good, it just starts putting a lens in front of me of what I do see and don't see. And that's why we need to be around really diverse people. So when we work with schools, they start delving in those conversations, which helps us question our thinking and unpacking the thinkings And then we show the system that makes learning stick for everyone. And then you can start using it to your advantage. To me, this is the key.
0: Yeah, this identity piece is really giving us the space to think about what lenses do I have on? What choices am I making? Where are they coming from? Where's the motivation here? Is the motivation to look a certain way, to be perceived a certain way? what is the story I'm telling myself and what narrative am I walking into? So how can this sometimes go a little bit astray? I've heard you talk about the wounded healer before. Can you help us unpack this idea?
1: So the way I've been using this, uh, so the wounded healer archetypally, people have talked about this for years and years. I've been talking about the wounded healer versus the healed warrior. So what I mean by... So let me, I did find a quote because I knew you were going to ask this question, but I think this quote's really important. So let's see if I can find the quote. So Tik Nan Han says this. He said, he's passed now. The practice of a healer, therapist, teacher, or any other helping professional should be directed towards himself or herself first because if the helper is unhappy, he or she cannot help many people. So when I talk about the wounded healer, I'm not shaming anybody, okay? So I don't want people to go, Look, I drive home some days from saying, oh, that was a wounded healer day. OK, so this is like we laugh. It's only a problem if, you know, and you just kind of okay. I talk about the wounded healer. I think that Paula Freire would say we're culture workers. He never said we were teachers. Wounded healer. The way I think about it is the princess and the pea. Remember that story where they put the mattresses? I don't know the exact thing, but they put the pea in the bottom of the mattress, but they kept putting more mattresses. She couldn't sleep. The wounded healer is, if I there's a pee under the mattress, it could be my shadow belief, it could be my history, it could be my pain, it could be, but what I'm going to do is keep putting mattresses on top of the bed in an educational space. I'm going to help more people. I'm going to teach more classes. I'm going to be of service. I'm going to volunteer for this thing. I'm going I'm to, it's about helping, but there's a pee underneath the mattress. And the problem for us is, I used to talk about the flashlight analogy where our job has typically been flashing the light on somebody else. Let me help somebody else, which is all great. But if we don't turn the flashlight on to us, we could do a lot of damage. So the wounded healer is doing it from it's almost like you're feeling pain in your body. You don't know what to do with it. So I'm just going to help some more. I'm going to go shop or I'm going to keep myself busy or I'm going to be up till eight o'clock at night to but I'm helping people, but I'm helping people, but I'm helping people. So. They healed warrior. I love the term warriorship. Now, Margaret Wheatley, who we interviewed on Unleash TV, she talks about warriors for the human spirit, which is a whole nother episode. But I've been talking about warriorship. And what I mean by warriorship is I'm not saying this is not about weaponry. It's about service. It means that as an educator, you know why you're really there. OK, you know what this is really about. Right. You know. You know, I I really love education as an act of freedom. You know, it's about creating light and freedom for people, but you're going to do that from the healthiest place you know how. Now, what that might mean is, yeah, you get a spa massage, but I'm talking about you're going to the pee under the mattress. What is it that I don't want to face? What's the pattern that gets in the way? What is, am I running away from something? I think of it as like integration as you take a needle and thread, the work, is to go into the pea. That sounds funny. Sorry to say it that way, but you go into the vegetable, and what it will do is it will—it will not go away. It'll integrate, so that what was pain or shadow or turns into great wisdom, and part of your service. So you're trying to do it from from your congru. Let me give you a, maybe a different way of saying it. Okay, I've worked with thousands of teachers. Our life has chapters to it. It just does. That different chapters call, the gods are going to call on us at different times. We need your attention here or something's dying off in your life here. The problem for educators and leaders of service is we can just just try to keep ourselves distracted from a chapter is ending and just work and work and work. But sometimes it's time to leave the profession because you can feel the chapters come to a close or there's something bigger waiting for me. So, what we have to do is create a little bit of silence or however we get still to get congruent in our lives. Now, I know positive psychologists say living values, living, and I all that's great, but I think there's something even deeper. So, it's like something's calling for me now that might mean change for me, which might scare the hell out of me. But you know, I always remember students are watching that. That's what they're learning from us, they can feel that part of us that's courageous they may not know why we're courageous but they know it they can feel it i think the work and it does not mean i'm there every day right this is not about perfection this is about having a frame of reference and saying oh this is a wounded healer day i can feel when the wounded part goes holy crap but it usually means i'm being i'm living a pretty courageous life when that activates sometimes The the Healed Warrior days are where I can respond rather than react, where I go, I'm in the threat of my life. I let go of the shore. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I knew I had to let go of the shore. You know, moving to Australia made absolutely no sense. But I remember one night they gave me this contract, this universe, like, you know, on my deathbed, this makes no sense. But on my deathbed, I would look back and say, you, you played it safe. And let me tell you, it has not been an easy journey, but it was the right journey. So I think those are the ways I think about the work.
0: I love how you've distinguished the difference between a wounded healer and a healed warrior. And for me, as you were explaining that, what came to my mind was when you think about this sort of default way of being, this reactive way of being versus a more mature, self-aware, responsive way. And not saying that we don't go to that wounded healer moment. I was probably there this morning, and I'll probably be there tonight. That's just generally how things roll. But a lived experience of me, I'm just seeing if I'm on, if I'm catching what you're throwing here, is when I was teaching. I had finished my masters. I was in a fantastic school, and yet I was really unsettled. There was a part of me that just was not satisfied. I did not know. What was next? And I thought maybe something wrong with me because I ticked all the boxes. I got to the right school. I did the masters, and I went to see a psychologist. And it was really interesting. I think he went straight for the P way too quickly, but um, he asked me this question in the session, and he said, "Meg, who are you when you're not performing?" And it just took me back. What do you mean? Who am I when I'm not performing? So everything you're doing, you're on the clock at the time. I was doing triathlon. Was all about times. Everything was about performance, about what's next. And he really opened that door to think about who am I when I'm not performing? How can I be in education without the tick sheet, without the what's next, without the next step?
1: Some people don't slow down enough to even hear those questions. And some people are playing roles that my family needs this from me, my partner needs this from me. I'm supposed to do this. Women do this. Men do this. I'm supposed to. It's easier to play a role than to stop. And often, my experience are I, I mean, part of that P, um, Debbie forty talk about the shadow as the beach ball, where you've got a beach ball and you try pushing it underwater. It takes a lot of energy, right? But you can do it. So that's that P, right? What typically happens is eventually it's going to come up. So either you bring it up and go, let me examine that thing, or it explodes and we sabotage ourselves. So it's like, you know, I'm, it's time for something. Yeah, I can feel it. Or we're going to sabotage ourselves. I don't mean more dramatic, but get ourselves fired or say something that we're like, why do we say that? And it's because I think there's something about the journey we're on either it, it's calling you and you heed the call. And I think then also that's what it means to be an educator. They're going to change the standards, the new strategies, the new, I've been this a long time. What does it really mean to be an educator at this time in the world with what's happening on this planet? As Margaret Wheatley would say, who do we choose to be and how well are we going to go into ourselves and do we have pathways to go in? And my experience is the people who go in and through are serving in a place that creates incredible light in times of darkness without saying a word. That's been my experience.
0: Yeah. Well, I think back on the time, once I'd had this realisation that everything was about the next step and a few things happened in my life and I thought, I need to change. I need to move to a different environment where no one knows me, different state. And I applied for 12 months leave and that wasn't going to happen. I had to resign. And I remember resigning and feeling like, gee, I hope this works out. But Anyway, I just need to do it. I, my spirit, my soul is yearning for something different. And I also remember some of the comments from colleagues looking at me like, you silly little girl, why would you be leaving? Mm. Like you've made it.
1: And one of the questions you ask here, I think connects to that as well. We have to know the cycles of change. So what typically happens you know, the crab bucket effect, and it does not mean people are bad. People that are trying to lose weight, people are going to start trying to give them cake and they're not doing it because they're bad people. So when they did that to you, that's happened to me throughout my entire career is it's the crab bucket effect, you know? So if the crab tries to get out, they pull them back in. What we need is to have people go in and if I knew you then, and if I was in a, you know, it's a healed warrior day, I would be saying to you, go for it. It's going to be really scary. You have no idea what's going to happen, but I will cheer you on. So what we need then is people helping to push us out of the bucket, which then also says who's in our life. And I fortunately, I've got a couple, call them success team members. Who are the people that really want the best for you and are going to let you fall and collapse and do all the crazy stuff, but you know, you're going. So the courage for you, is, you said, I got to go on this journey, but I don't know how it's going to turn out. I mean, I'm mean, i 52. I'm still in the place going, I'm not sure it's going to turn out, but if I don't do this, I will get ill in my body if I don't do what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And I have to let go of what success might look like, or what financial words, like what all that stuff looks like, because this is just the truth for me. And so I need to be around Megs and go, what's your truth? What are you doing? Rather than don't try doing that. And it's also really normal, you know, before you go on the journey that it gets dark and you're on your own. That's part of the process. But guides will always show up if you go for it. They will always show up.
0: I really like that visual of the crab bucket and how powerful it is that when we are moving towards different ways of being, that there will be that counter move. It's not malicious. It's not out of character it's just because people want you to remain as you've always been and as we're thinking about us as educators and who we are matters our constant growth as a person as an educator matters so we can be in connection with the learning with our students with the community well it's also I think
1: we're then really of service I mean we're really of service I mean I I don't mean disrespect but Standard two, I did not become an educator for standard 2.5.6.8 type three. I, I didn't, I just didn't. Now I can use that stuff. I can use that stuff in the service of what I'm trying to birth or to serve or however it is like, I remember in the doctoral program, I remember the professor said something to us it was really rude, but at the time, like it makes total sense. She's, they said there was this whole myth about a lot of people will have div- go through divorce. So in the States, you do four years of course. I had to do four. I was going to school at night, teaching full-time, four years of coursework, then the thesis, then the And so they said, talk to your partner because there's a lot of divorce happens in doctoral programs. They were, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty bad to hear that, but they were right. This is why. I lost a lot and I was responsible for this as well. A lot of my tribe, the contracts changed and I lost a lot of people during that process. I had a lot of divorces. Did I handle it well? No, because I was stressed and da da da. But I could tell what was happening was not that they were good or bad, is that our journeys were parting. We were going and the contract was changing. I was empowered. We were both empowered. And so I had to lose, sever. The thing had happened for me to to go on the journey. So it was true because I was going through a huge growth spurt, not that I was better than anybody. It wasn't about better or worse. It literally was because the path was changing for me and their path was changing as well. And that was very difficult. I felt alone, but it was important. And I bless them every day. I think of the friendships we had, but it changed. They weren't trying to pull me in the crowd bucket, but it is a cycle of change. And that's why knowing the story you're in really matters. And if there's time, I'll tell you about that.
0: Yeah, I think it really does. And as we're talking about these different ideas, what's coming to mind for me is that old saying: a season, a reason, or a lifetime. And also being mindful of the educational ecosystem we're in, and it sometimes we need to move on to a new space. You know, there are times when I've been in schools where I've felt like I have so much to give, and they're not willing to let me give it. And then you go to another school. I've got so much to give, and I want you to give it, and it feels magic.
1: I've had colleagues that like stayed in jobs are really miserable, and they're afraid to leave. and And I mean, it's difficult. Don't get me wrong; that is hard stuff. When you're like, "What am I do financially?" And then they leave, and what happens is they'll write like what places and giving them, and what they want to do. And I've met people that then end up leaving, and it's not overnight, but they land someplace. They're like, "Oh my god, people treat me well here," and people. And it's like, I think the gods had something waiting for you. Here's the deal. You have to let go of the shore without having any guarantee you will float. And when you do that, you will get assistance. A lot of people do is they hold on to the shore and say, I will not let go until you prove to me I will be safe. It doesn't work that way. What happens is you go, okay, this is going to scare the," and I cannot see, but I have to let go of the shore. And I'm not sure if this is going to work itself out. So you let go of the shore, and you're it's dark, it's night. You're kind of floating. You're swimming like what? The, I don't even see land. And you keep going, and assistance will show up, but not when you're ready, not when you're expecting it. And I think some people hold on the shore, and they end up getting sick. Like the gods are like, we need, we're trying to get your attention. So now you're getting stomach ulcers. We're trying to, you're getting migraines. Is nothing going to have you let go of the shore? Would you let go of the shore already? I'm not letting go of the shore. Okay, fine. And then. They get sick and they're miserable and they're teaching. Then they're miserable in the room, or they let go. And the ones that let go will go. Just hang on, you know, hang on. It's really tough. And that job you were talking about, that was like either blessings. You go, hey, you're. Thank you for telling me that this is not my tribe, or I have more growth to do. That's what I think the healed warrior is.
0: Oh yeah, I get really excited to think, imagine what education would look like and feel like if we had the ability to move towards this healed warrior, where we know ourselves, we know our strengths, we know our dark sides, we know our stories, our shadows, and we're evolving and growing. And that's the environment in which our young people can marinate in and have a blueprint for. And
1: that's a delivery model. It doesn't matter. Banking model, none of that matters. If you want learning to stick, I think this is how it happens. And what we do at Unleashed Learning, this is all embedded. I mean, it's not just this, it's about lots of, it's a system, we put the system in place, but this is part of that conversation. It's a piece of it. It's like the sailor on a ship, right? Who the sailor is matters. She matters, he matters. Now there's a ship to use to sail, so we're not giving up pedagogical practice, but it informs how you're sailing that ship.
0: So who we are matters. And when you think back on your journey, What's helped you transform more towards this healed warrior? What has been a bit of a game changer for you? Oh
1: God, I could do a whole
0: episode on this.
1: Yeah. You know, it's about living a congruent life. It's about finally, I remember Parker Palmer once, I got to interview him, one of my heroes on Unleashed and TV. And in his book, he talked about the Rosa Parks effect. I do not want to minimize what she did i don't want to minimize the racism and violence i don't want to and i can unpack but what she did and it was planned there's a whole history behind this she sat in the front of the bus and the cop comes up and says we're going to arrest you and she said you may do that and what she meant by that is you may do whatever you want to do but i will not sit in the back of the bus i will sit in that jail I will sit there, I'll do it peacefully, but I will not sit in the back of the bus. And so, what has helped me is it has been therapy, going on great retreats, doing some shadow work, my doctoral work. You know, for me, reading has been my liberation, finding my place in a bigger story, finding who my real educational heroes are, and listening to what they had to say. It has been really going into my fears. It's been falling down a lot and going, I'm getting back up. It's been about being around people that challenge me. It's about facing my racism, my homophobia, my misogyny, all of it. It's about finding out what my really values really are. Okay, I'm not good at this, but I'm willing to do it. I am willing to go through a dark night of the soul trusting that light will emerge. But I will not sit in the back of the bus. So I have left jobs where this is going to destroy my soul. I'm getting a great paycheck, but this will destroy my soul. And there must be something bigger. So, and also I think the other bigger one is getting myself into a story to understand, oh, this is this the hero's journey that's going on? Is this the cocoon stage? Is this the, is this an archetypal pattern that's, where am I? And when I found that, that has helped me go. Oh, that's where I am. That's where I am. I'm like, ooh, this is a tough place. I'm like, well, decorate the tough. Hey, let's put some flowers in the place if it's tough. But that's what I might need. So it's been really about reading and talking to people and trying to figure out where the hell I am, because I think the disease my mom calls it disease is when we can't find our place. You can't situate yourself. So that's the work I think. And I had a friend that used to say we need educators. And again, I am, please don't hear it as a oh, Williams got it figured out, or this is not like, look at me. I am not saying that. So if you hear that, just let that go. Because he used to say, we need educators who have studied themselves as much as they've studied the profession. And I think that is, so that's been, been the game changer for me. It's an unfolding and it's challenging and it's messy and it's beautiful. And it's, and it's not about, I'm just going to write my goals down which is important. I write goals. I do all that. So that's what it's been about.
0: Gosh, you've really articulated the transformation that you've been on, the support you've seeked, the education you've taken in and really integrated to move towards this space of really knowing who you are so you can get on with the work that you want to do in the world. William, to wrap up this incredibly... Thought-provoking conversation. I'd love to invite you to finish four sentences. Are you up for that?
1: Yeah, let me get my head on for that. Okay, I'm ready for you.
0: I am inspired by...
1: Those people who've gone through the dark night of the soul and came out the other end and created not bitterness, but light.
0: When life feels hard... I find
1: a story to situate myself in.
0: An underrated skill is... Failure. And I'm looking forward to... Look, I'm really
1: passionate what we're doing with Unleashed Learning, so I'm looking
0: forward to
1: where it next will land to serve the right people to help make learning stick for everyone.
0: William, thank you so much for the work you're doing to open our minds and hearts to a new way of being in education. And thank you for being guest on the School of Wellbeing podcast. I hope this conversation has inspired you to rethink about some of the stories you are telling yourself and to take courageous action in your life. To learn more about William and the Unleash Learning System, see the show notes for more details. If you love this episode, please share it with anyone you know that would benefit from listening or reach out to me on Instagram or LinkedIn and let me know what resonated with you. To learn more about the ways that I can help you and your school community thrive, visit my website, openmindeducation.com. There you can book me to speak, learn about my game-changing wellbeing programs, or download my free five-step energy guide. And a heads up, if you're thinking about booking me to speak at your school, organisation or community event in 2023, make sure you reach out soon because my calendar is filling fast. You can find all the links from today's episode at openmindeducation.com forward slash episode 84. Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Wellbeing and I look forward to sharing more heartfelt conversations with you next week. Until then, take care and take deliberate action.